It is great to see you all. If you're a visitor, uh, we are delighted to have you with us today and we just hope that you get your feet under the table and you feel at home during the time that you are here with us. Hey, we're going to come to the Word and as we do, I'd like to invite Gladys to come and pray for us. Could we, could we encourage Gladys? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for today. King of kings will worship you. Ancient of days will lift you up on high. Thank you, Lord, O oh God, for another beautiful day like this that you have made for us to gather together in your presence. We thank you for all the wonderful things, amazing things you do in our lives every day. We give you all the praise. Lord God, as we sit down, O oh Lord, O oh God, to hear from you, Father, Lord, as your word comes forth, we pray, O oh Lord, that we will receive it into our hearts and our lives will never remain the same again. We commit your son that you'll be using today, Father, to minister your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you fill him to overflowing with your words in the mighty name of Jesus. As we sit to listen, O oh Lord, we'll not just be hearers of your word, but the ability, O oh Lord, to do your word. Holy Spirit, you're going to help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Lord, oh God, as that song says, make me a new wine, O oh Lord. Father, we hunger, O oh Lord, in our spirits and in our souls. That, Father, your fire will continue to burn afresh in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we are expecting, O oh Lord, those great things you're going to be doing even from now. Father, even till the end of the year, we are expectant. And, Father, we pray that we'll receive with our open mind in the mighty name of Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Take all glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Last Sunday, we gathered around Joshua chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, we're just going to pick back up there in Joshua chapter 3. And last Sundays we gathered, we gathered round what we thought was a significant word that God was speaking to us as a church with regards to the season that we are in. We believe that we as a church are in a threshold moment. We're at a place in our journey where we're getting ready to cross over a significant boundary line into something new. And when we recognize where we are and where we're at, that means then that the next steps that we're about to take are important steps. And what is equally as important is that we take those steps together. At the end of chapter three, as it rounds off the story of the Israelites, it says in verse, chapter three, verse 17, the end of the story of the Israelites crossing over, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. It's significant that the passage calls out that everyone crossed over together. Everyone camped at the side of the River Jordan. Everyone could see the promised land. Everyone was envisioned with purpose. Everyone could literally see and sense the next season that was ahead of them. And everyone crossed over the threshold and entered into that season together. It is so incredibly important, Glasgow Elam, that we cross over the threshold and into this next season together. Isn't it? Good. Okay, repeat that, no problem. It's so incredibly important, Glasgow Elam, that we cross over the threshold and into this next season together, isn't it? Brilliant, great. <laughs> Just checking it a week. How do we do that? Well, we answer the question with another question. How did the Israelites do it? 
And actually, as we look through this passage, there are some really important principles within this scripture that call out for us the culture of the Israelites and also call out for us then the gathering points around which the Israelites united in their focus and in their function, that which they gathered around together as a people. Those gathering points were those that in essence took all of them over the threshold into that next season together because together they were gathering around the same things. And so this morning we look to identify those gathering points. There are three. We're going to major, spend a considerable period of time on one and touch down somewhat briefly on the other two. But as we call them out, we identify them as our own gathering points. Today we announce these are the gathering points. This is what we're going to gather around in order to transition into the next season together. And the first place that we come to is where we kind of left off last week. The first gathering point for the Israelites is the presence of God. Let's go down to verse 2 and look at the verses that we were examining last week. It says, After three days... The officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. This instruction went out from the officers to everybody. Everyone camped at the River Jordan heard this instruction. Every tribe, every clan, every person was given the same instruction. When the presence of God moves, you move. And this instruction was given to unite the people in their action and to unite the people in their function. Everyone was told the same thing. This is what you have to do. You are to move. Everyone was told the same thing. This is when you are to move. When the presence of God moves, you move. And so everybody, every tribe, every clan, every individual gathered around this instruction, that which saw them cross over together into the promised land, into the next season, was the presence of God. Here's the point. The movement of the presence of God determined the movement of the people of God. The movement of the presence of God determined the movement of the people of God. The key phrase in this whole passage is verse 3. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Now we get technical for a moment because the Hebrew language that's used here in this phrase is really interesting. The word move out means to pull up, specifically to pull up tent pegs. And the instruction from the officers then that comes to the people is that when you see the presence of God move, you have to move out. As in, when the presence of God moves, it's moving day. It's time to pull up your home. It's time to pull up your tent. It's time to pull up your existence and move. Move from the spot that you occupy. And it's further interesting to note that the language that is used for your positions, move out from your positions, the language in the Hebrew for your positions means standing. It means spot. It means locality both generally and specifically. It means condition both body and mind. So the instruction that comes to them is that when the presence of God moves, they as a people have to be ready to alter their standing, to alter their mindset, to alter their approach. They have to be ready to change their stance, to change their positioning, and to move with God. In other words, the Israelites were to engage their everything and to be ready to shift their everything to pursue the presence of God. Now when you read that, initially you think, What's the big deal? This isn't really a big deal for the Israelites. They've spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness. For 40 years, they have been setting up camp and they have been tearing down camp. They have 40 years experience of pulling up tent pegs under their belt. So what makes this instruction to pull up the pegs and move so special? Well, what made this time so special was that it marked a shift in their focus. You see, for 40 years, 
they had wandered round the wilderness. And each time they arrived in place after place, they set up camp. And every time they set up camp, they did so in a prescribed way. God had given a command as to how the Israelites were to build their camp, the order that they were to arrange the tribes and therefore arrange their tents every time they set up the camp. The tabernacle would be in the center of the camp and the tribes then would arrange their individual camps in a prescribed and ordered fashion around the tabernacle, around the Ark of the Covenant, which meant that it didn't matter where they were always looked the same. As they journeyed, the scenery would change. The ground that they crossed would change. The seasons around them and the environment surrounding them would change. But regardless of where they were, and regardless of what was going on round about them, they took the same stance and they occupied the same position. It didn't matter what space they were in, they always occupied it the same way. But here now in Joshua chapter three, God calls through Joshua to tell them, move out from your positions and follow my presence because we're crossing a threshold into something new. Pull up your tent pegs, change your standing, change the spot that you occupy, alter your mindset, alter your behavior because we're crossing into new ground. And this is important. This is an important word for us today. Because all too often in the journey of life, as we find ourselves journeying through different stages of human living, as we journey through the varying seasons of life and the ever-changing experiences of life, we can find ourselves becoming creatures of habit. The stage, the season, the experience of life might change, but the stance that we take within them does not. The ground that we're covering might change. The environment around us might change. The scenery may look different with each different season of life, but the spot that we occupy always looks the same. We put down the tent pegs, we set up the same tent in the same way, regardless of the change that is happening around us. Despite the ever-evolving journey of life, the stance we adopt within it looks the same. What do I mean by that? Well, some of us choose to live in tents of bitterness. Doesn't matter where we are, doesn't matter what's going on round about us, we choose to live in the experience of bitterness. Some of us choose to live in tents of anger. Doesn't matter the season that we're in and the scenery around us, we choose to live in and vent out our constant feeling of anger that lives at the heart of who we are. Some of us live in tents of hurt. The seasons of life come and go, but we live in and we dwell in and we dwell on the hurt that we've experienced and the pain that we've been through. Some of us live in tents of negativity. We might be brought into some of the most magnificent environments in life, surrounded by brilliant people, brought into wonderful experiences, but we choose to live with a negative view and observe the scenery and the terrain around us through negative lenses. Some of us live in tents that call out a victim's mentality. Some of us live in tents that mark a constant lack of trust. Some of us live in tents of shame, tents of doubt, tents of denial. We could go on and on and on, but the question is, what tent are you living in? What is the stance that you automatically adopt that it doesn't matter what season you enter into, it doesn't matter what environment God brings you into, you put down your tent pegs in the same way and occupy the space you've been brought into in the same way every single time. What if God was saying, it's time to pull up the tent pegs? What if God was saying, it's time to change your stance, change your spot, change your mentality, change your behavior? The change is hard. I'm on a diet right now and to try and change my eating habits and it's really hard. We don't like, why did everyone just look at my belly there? <laughs> change is hard and it's difficult. But here's the amazing thing about God. 
all we need to do to accomplish the change he's calling us to is follow his presence. Follow his presence. Scripture tells us we with unveiled faces, we behold his glory and we are transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the next. God's presence changes us. When we allow ourselves to be wrecked by the presence of God, when we surrender our whole beings to God, he begins to transform us through encounters of his glory. His presence begins to bring healing to the pain. His presence begins to melt the bitterness and the distrust that encases our souls and hardens our hearts. His presence begins to shift the gray and alter the lens by which we view things. His presence changes us because God is in the business of soul restoration. And how incredible is it that he changes our hearts by bringing us close to his And there in that intimate place, he transforms our innermost being. You see, the only way that that can truly happen is if we pull up the tent pegs and follow his presence into the new season of the soul. For the Israelites, this instruction to pull up and move out was a significant instruction. It was one that was delivered to every tribe, every clan, every person. And they were a diverse group of people that were traveling together through the wilderness. And in fact, they were mandated to live within their diversity. They were commanded to set up camp in their individual tribes and in their distinct people groups. But yet every single one of them crossed over into the promised land. And that which took them over the threshold into the new season was that every person, regardless of tribe and clan and background, every person united in a willingness and a desire to follow the presence of God. You know, it strikes me that some of these people and some of these tribes could have heard the instruction, pull up and move out, and responded with, nah, you're all right. Just stay where I am. We've traveled around this wilderness for 40 years. We're Now within touching distance of the promised land, we can see it, we can smell it. That's close enough for us. You are asking us to pack up all of our things and walk into the River Jordan. Are you mad? It's flood season. It's bursting its banks. There's no way we're going to cross this thing alive. We've come this far and you know we've got the the promised land just, just over there. We're just at the edge of it. This is actually far enough for us. We're not going to risk the crossing. We'll just camp next to the promised land. And you know, there's that statement, isn't there? That the good is the enemy of the best. Or the good is the enemy of the better. For the Israelites, instructions to move out from their positions and follow the presence of God was actually an invitation to step into something significant. Wandering around this side of the River Jordan, all the Israelites ever had was a pitch a pitch for their tent. Crossing the threshold into the new season, crossing the Jordan into the promised land was an invitation to move from having a pitch to having a plot. It was an invitation to enter into a new season of life and a new season of living. It was an invitation to take up residence within God's ideal for them and to begin living within God's best and within his purposes. It was an invitation to move from the good to the better. And the key for that was just to pull up the tent pegs and follow the presence. Church, we are entering into a new season. We're about to cross the threshold and into new terrain. We could settle where we are. Because where we are right now, it's all right. A couple of hundred people turning up every Sunday. There's great kids work. There's great youth work. There's great worship. We gather around the word, we have a cup of coffee, we go home, it's okay. We could camp here and say, do you know what, this is enough. This is good enough for us. But the good is the enemy of the best 
And the best days of Glasgow Elam lie in its future. They lie in what's ahead. They lie in us being willing to pull up the tent pegs and follow the presence of God. So a gathering point for each and every one of us has to be that we commit together to following the presence of God. Not following a personality, not following a person, not following a plan, not following a profile, but following the presence of God. It's the ongoing commitment to follow the movement of God that will allow us as a people to cross the threshold together. Let's commit together to gather around the presence of God every time we meet. Let's commit to unite together in the pursuit of his presence. Let's allow the movement of the presence of God to determine the movement of the people of God. And to fully commit to that means more than just saying amen in a sermon. It means change. Because to follow the presence of God means pulling up the tent pegs of our church. This church has a long and rich history that has brought us to where we are today at the grand old age of 95. You look good for 95. Our current positioning is due to the perseverance of those that have gone before us. Pastors who have preached from this pulpit, both literally and figuratively. Deacons and leaders who have governed and directed members of the congregation that have served and gave and prayed and believed. Glasgow Elam exists as it is in 2022 because we are genuinely standing on the shoulders of incredible giants who have navigated this church under God to where we are right now. But the big truth is that Glasgow Elam is where it is today because of significant threshold moments. Moments in which the people of God who have gone before us have been willing to be moved by the presence of God. Moments in which those that have gone before us have been willing to pull up the tent pegs and say, you know what? We're changing our position. We're altering our stance. We're shifting from our spot. We're not going to camp in the good when God has called us to step into the better. We're going to cross a threshold and enter into something new. Glasgow Elam, in this moment right now, we have to guard ourselves against familiarity, particularly as we emerge out of the pandemic. It could be all too easy for us to look over the past couple of years as the environment has changed and the ground has changed and say, well, you know, in all of that, Glasgow Elam adopted its stance. We maintained our spot. We kept consistency. Sure, the scenery changed. We went online and we pitched our tent through cameras and videos. We came back into the building and we held our services behind masks and hand sanitizer. The condition, the scenery, the environment, the terrain might have looked different. But the truth is we set up camp the same every single time. And we did so because we had to. That was a season of wilderness wandering. We did what we had to do, holding on to God in the process. And it wasn't wrong to do any of those things. In fact, it was very right. It was the right thing to do, to maintain a presence, to consistently gather, to set up camp and all of that ever-changing COVID landscape. That was the right thing to do. There was something reassuring about setting up as the camp as church in the same way, in the same fashion, in the midst of all of the change and the chaos that brought comfort to so many of us. But now that we are emerging out of this season and into a new season that is ahead of us, we've got to pull up the tent pegs and move forward with God. We have to be a generation that in our time and age say, do you know what? We're changing our position. We're altering our stands. We're shifting from our spot. We're not going to camp in the good when God has called us to the better. We're crossing into the threshold of something new. Let's be a generation that those who come after us look back and say, thank God they chose to move with the presence of God. Let's be a generation that cause our young people and children and their children to look back on their heritage and have cause to say we are where we are today because that generation before us chose to follow the presence of God and step into a threshold of something new. Let's be that people. But what does that look like? 
Well, maybe it means that every time we gather together in the presence of God, we just intentionally pull up the tent pegs. See, we really are creatures of habit. All too often, without realizing it, we can adapt stances, adopt behavior, adopt particular and specific mindsets. And we can do that particularly in relation to church. This is the way I worship. This is the stance I take. This is what I do and what I don't do. This is the way I react to the presence of God. This is what I think about ministry. This is the stance I take when the Holy Spirit moves. This is what I allow to happen. This is what I don't allow to happen. This is the way I engage. This is the level of my engagement. This is the way I serve. This is the way I will not serve. This is the spot that I occupy. This is the stance that I take when I come to church, both generally and specifically. But what if? What if we pulled up the tent pegs and all of that and said, God, I am willing to change my position. I am willing to alter my stance. I am willing to shift my spot because I want to follow your presence. What if we ripped up the rule books of the do-dos and the don't-dos? What if we ripped up the rule book and said, there's only one rule in the book, and that's that I'm going to follow your presence. And that doesn't mean that we throw doctrine out the window. Doesn't mean that we get rid of common sense. It doesn't mean that the scripturally shaped mindset, stances, and approaches are scrapped and dismissed. But it does mean that we begin to deal with the religious part that exists inside every single one of us. And we declare that holding on to scripture and balancing that with common sense, we're going to open up our hearts wide, we're going to open up our spirits, and we're going to say, okay, God, we're pulling up the tent pegs so that we can move with you. When we do that, there are some shifts that take place. We said that what marked the command to move out from the positions is different from all the other times that that command was given was that there was a shift in focus and we see that when we come back to the instruction. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. And then verse six says this, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. There is some significant information here. And the significant information is in the positioning of the Ark. The Ark went out ahead of them. Up until now, as we saw earlier on, the Ark resided in the center of their camp. And when they moved from place to place, the ark was then lifted from the center of the camp and carried in the center of their procession. But now in this moment in Joshua 3, there comes a shift. The ark was moved from being in the center to being placed up ahead. And this is quite a significant shift. Because in Exodus 40, it tells us, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all of the travels. According to this passage, through all their travels, under the leadership of Moses, the embodiment of God's presence was seen in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Whenever the cloud moved, they moved. Whenever the cloud lifted, they broke camp and they set out. And the cloud always went ahead of them and they always followed it. In fact, Numbers chapter 9 says this. This is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days at the Lord's command they would encamp and then at his command they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening to morning and when it lifted in the morning they would set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or for a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in the camp and not sit out. But when it lifted, they would sit out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they sit out. They obeyed the Lord's order 
in accordance with his command through Moses. Now there's loads of camping and there's loads of setting out in that and there's loads of lifting and there's loads of setting down but the point is this. The Israelites followed God's presence every step of the way and for them following the presence was all about following the cloud. However, now in Joshua chapter three there comes a shift. Camped at the River Jordan under new leadership, about to cross the threshold into a new season, the embodiment of God took on a new form. It was the same God that was present, but the way that God presenced himself amongst them changed. Now this teaches us that it's important for us to learn to discern the presence of God. And it's important for us to recognize that God presences himself in different ways within different seasons. It's furthermore interesting for us to note that the people of Israel were called to change their position. They were called to change the position they occupied as God changed the position that he occupied amongst them. Now don't get me wrong, God was always present. He was enthroned over the ark. The ark represented his covenant presence. So he was always present in that way amongst them. But in their wilderness wandering, he embodied a different form and a different function among them. The way that he presenced himself among them to lead them and preserve them in the wilderness wanderings of the Exodus was not the way he was going to presence himself amongst them as they stepped into the promised land as he was leading them to occupy a new space, he himself was occupying a new space in the midst of them. So the Israelites, they had to shift their focus. They had to begin to discern where God was and what God was doing in order to cross over that threshold into what was ahead, which shows us that the only way we can cross that threshold is to follow the presence. You know, The way that God presences himself amongst us in the wilderness is not the same as the way that he does in the promised land. The way that God reveals his presence to us in the valley is not the same way as he reveals his presence to us on the mountaintop. The way that he turns up in the storm is not the same as the way he turns up in the battlefield. The way he manifests in mourning is not the same as the way he dances with us in rejoicing. God presences himself with us in different ways within different seasons. So we have to learn then to discern the presence of God, to discern the ways that he comes close to us. We've got to train ourselves in every season and in every circumstance to seek where God is at, to try and understand what God is doing and then follow him. We've got to find the space that he occupies and then move into that space. God did not presence himself amongst the Israelites in the promised land like he did in the wilderness. And if we box God's presence into prescribed formats and predetermined functions, then we will miss his presence completely and come to the conclusion that he is absent when in fact God is never absent. He is always present. It's just sometimes we look for him in the wrong place. If we look for God to be present in the valley in the same way that he's present on the mountaintop, then is it any wonder that we miss his presence and deem him absent? He's not absent. He's just occupying a different space. He's just filling a different function. If you expect his presence in the storm like he was on the shore, then you might not recognize him when he comes walking out on the waters to rescue you. To the disciples, they thought Jesus was a ghost. Because his presence took a different form than they were used to. They didn't expect, initially they couldn't compute that Jesus was coming to them in this way because they expected his presence in the storm to be the same as it was on the shore. If we don't learn to discern the presence of God, if we fail to look for and recognize the space that God is occupying in the different seasons of life, then we might fail to recognize his presence and activity completely and might deem him absent when actually he's close. Waiting on God is therefore so incredibly important. Waiting on God is the moments 
when we seek to lay hold of him, to connect to him, to bind on to him, waiting on God is the process in which we bring our hearts and souls into the space that he is occupying and occupy it with him. And that means that waiting on God as a church is vital. It's the activity and the action when we come together as a people and lay down our own agendas, pull up the tent pegs and say, God, we're looking to you. We're looking to find the space that you're occupying right now. We're looking to connect with what you're doing right now. We pause and lay hold of you because we want to be where you are. We want to move into the space that you occupy. Waiting on God is imperative. It is essential for moving into what's next. And therefore, I call you again, church. This evening, we gather for our worship night with the focus just to wait on him. To worship, press in, lay hold of him and seek to understand what space are you occupying and we want to transition and step right into that space. We want to move into where you are. Let me give you the last two points really quick and we will pick up the tempo. A further shift that is seen here is in verse seven. And it says, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. This point is really important for us to grasp and really important for me to share some heart. Often, God brings shift within leadership structures as he gets ready to move his people into new seasons and new territory. Leadership is vital for transitioning into what's new and what's next. And a clear gathering point for the Israelites was the leadership of Joshua. Every tribe, every clan, every person in Israel gathered around Joshua's leadership and followed it. Now, as we say that, let's position that healthily Let's position that clearly and let's communicate heart. Joshua's leadership isn't actually Joshua's. It's God's. It was God that was leading the people. Not Joshua, it was God. The instructions that Joshua gave weren't his instructions. They were God's. And in verse seven, God speaks to Joshua and says to him very clearly, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. That's important. The point that we meet the Israelites in Joshua chapter 3, the Israelites have experienced a change in leadership within their nation. In fact, we highlighted that's how the whole book opens. The whole book opens by announcing Moses is dead and Joshua is now at the helm. But the thing we've got to remember is for 40 years, Moses was this people's leader. It was Moses' leadership that brought them out of Egypt. It was Moses' leadership that established them in covenant relationship. It was Moses' leadership that envisioned them with the promised land. But now Joshua comes to the hill. And right at the very early stages of his leadership, he brings the people to the banks of a flooding river and announces, we're crossing this bad boy and we're entering into the promised land. And it's at the point of crossover, it's at that threshold moment that God speaks to Joshua and announces something quite important. He says, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. This communicates some really important things. The first thing it communicates is that Moses' leadership was God's leadership. God announces that he was with Moses. That meant that all that was achieved under Moses, all that took place was the activity of God. It was the result of the presence of God. It was the result of the favor of God. If God was at work, then it was God's leadership. However, the fact that it's been communicated right at the commencement of Joshua's leadership that God is with him as he was with Moses is important, especially as he's about to lead the people into what they've been hoping for for generations. In this statement delivered right before the Israelites get ready to step into new territory, God communicates in saying, I was with Moses. God communicates, old does not equal bad. In our world, we have begun to build the mindset that old is bad. 
We need the latest thing. We need the newest thing. We need to embrace the newest fad, which is just an old fad regurgitated with a fancy hat on. We need to get the new thing. The world communicates that old is bad. In church circles, it has also wrongly been presented that old is bad. The old way of things needs to go. The old style of, style of things are out of date. The old songs are irrelevant. The old is gone, the new has come. We must not focus on the past. And you know what? That is true. We must not focus on the past. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't recognize the past and honor it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't look back on the past and learn from it. And it certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't recognize that God inhabited the past. Leadership changes in church circles are significant. And often, a shift in leadership comes to transition churches into new seasons, but that doesn't mean that the outgoing was not of value. As God was with Moses, so he was with Joshua. What was before had God's fingerprints all over it. What was ahead has God's fingerprints all over it. And today I want to say something really important. I hope and pray that God will be with Fraser and Susan as he was with James and Beryl, as he was with Simon and Jane, as he was with Kevin and Margaret, and so on and so on. I think it's important that we call out today and honor that the leadership of the immediate past season is what has brought us to where we are right now. And we have to call out and celebrate that God was with James and Beryl. Their leadership was God's leadership. God was with James and Beryl. God was with Simon and Jane. God was with Kevin and Margaret. And I don't really know the list beyond that, but I'm sure you do. And as we enter into this new season and feel that we're crossing over into something significant, we have to pause at the threshold and recognize that what was before was of value, what was before was inhabited by God, what was before has enabled us to come to this boundary line today. So we thank God for what was before. We thank God and honor what was before. We recognize and call out the value of what was before because without it, we would not be in this spot ready to enter a new season. However, the second thing that this teaches us is equally important. God was with Moses and God was also with Joshua. Joshua represented a change in leadership. He represented the new guard, if you like. And in church, from time to time, we have to navigate changing leadership as part of our culture. It's just part of the way the church works. But in the midst of change, we must focus on the constant. God was with Moses and God was with Joshua. The consistent in the change of leadership was God. It was the presence of God. It was the influence of God. Now please hear heart on this. As people, we've got to learn to push past the personality of leadership to the purpose behind leadership because the purpose is the part that belongs to God and not to the leader. The purpose is the part that God is working out. The purpose is the part that is rooted in his presence and his action through his influence. He raises up leaders and he brings leaders down. He moves leaders in and he moves leaders out and he does all of that in order to accomplish his purpose. In church circles, it is unhealthy to gather around leaders, but it is essential to gather around leadership because that's the God component. Gathering around leadership is not the same as gathering around leaders. We are called to gather around leadership. And that's important for going forward because if we focus on the people component, it immobilizes us. We hit barriers, barriers to progress, barriers to moving forward in unity. If we focus on the person, we begin to hit barriers like we don't like the person's personality. We don't like the person's style. We don't like their dress sense. We don't like the way the person communicated some things. We don't like the decision that the person has made. We just don't like the cut of the person's jib. <laughs> when actually we need to push past personality to purpose. 
We need to push past rhetoric to hear the voice of God. We need to push past decision-making to purpose. We need to push past the person to the presence of God because in the midst of the change, he is constant. If we focus on personality, then over time, leaders will annoy us. They will irritate us. They will rub us up the wrong way. And I guarantee, without a doubt, they will disappoint us. But if we choose not to gather around a leader, but instead to gather around leadership, then it means that even if at times the outworking of things might not be to our taste, even if at times the way things are communicated aren't to our liking, even if at times the cut of the jib really annoys us and the character rubs us up the wrong way, we can still get on board because we're not looking at the person, we're following the purpose. We're not focused on personality. We've got to focus on following the presence of God. And as we sense that we're at a threshold, as we get ready to cross over into new territory, as we approach a significant vision day, if like next Sunday, as we get ready to talk about what is ahead, I appeal to you, please, please don't gather around a leader. Gather around leadership. Please, I beg you, push past personality to the presence of God. Don't let personality get in the way of purpose. Don't let personality get in the way of following the presence. Let's lift our eyes and move them onto God's presence and God's plan and God's purpose. And as we get ready to take this step into something new, please also, let's honor our past. Let's honor those that have gone before us. And let's recognize we would not be where we are today without those that had gone before. The third and final point, and I promise this will be quick. In fact, as a sign of this, could the worship team come? The final point is found in Joshua 3 verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. As Joshua brings people to the boundary line and gets ready to lead them over, he is careful to position his leadership as God's and not as in I am God incarnate, not as him saying, you know, I am the man of power for the hour, but as in him gathering people around and saying, let me show you where this leadership is coming from. And he does that by gathering them around the word of God. Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Gather round the word. And that means that in this moment, it's the word that is bringing leadership. And here is a key component that helps us to understand the difference between gathering around a leader and gathering around leadership. It's the word of God. It's God's word that helps us push past personality to purpose because God's word reveals purpose. So in groundbreaking crossover moments, we have to prioritize gathering around the word of God and making what God is saying through his word the primary source of our leadership. This moment is leadership. Gathering around the word of God has to become the primary source of leadership. And as we do look at verse 10, Joshua says this then is how you will know that the living God is among you and he'll drive out before you all these people see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you Joshua gathers the people around him and he says this is how you're going to know that the living God is among you he gathers them round he gathers them round the word and the word in that moment the word of God in that moment begins to reveal the presence of God. This is how you'll know he's amongst us. The word is pointing to his presence. The word of God should reveal the presence of God to us. And more specifically, 
The word of God should reveal the space that God is occupying and therefore inviting us into. This is how you know that God is amongst us and this is where he is. He's going to drive out all the people on the other side of the Jordan. He's in the space that he's leading us into. The word called out the space that God was occupying. It's through the teaching and the preaching of the word that we begin to discern what God is speaking to us and where God is leading us. And he is always leading us into the space where he is because he always goes before us into every situation. So we have to prioritize gathering around the word and allowing such moments to be directional as well as revelatory. As Gulam, in this next season, we are transitioning into something new. And I would ask, could you make it your priority to gather around the word? This is the way that we will cross over together, all of us, despite the fact we're from all different clans and tribes. We will all cross over together if we make it a priority to gather around the word of God, to gather around and allow him to bring direction and revelation. In verse 13, it says, As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. Joshua gathers the people around the word and he says, here's what God says he's going to do. In this moment, he prophesies to them. And you see, the word of God should always bring to us a revelation of where God is and what God is doing, it should always have that prophetic edge that points, here's where God is, and here's what he's going to do amongst us. We invite God to bring a prophetic edge to the preaching of his word. We invite him to release a spirit of prophecy amongst our midst, that we can always begin to see where he is, what he's doing, and where he's calling us to. Glasgow, we stand on the threshold of a very significant season. And it's important for us that we all cross over together. In order to do so, we've got to call out our gathering points, that which we're going to gather around, that which we're going to muster towards. And those gathering points are this. We're going to gather around the presence of God. We're going to gather around leadership. We're going to gather around the word. We're going to pull up the tent pegs and say, okay, God, we're willing to alter our stance and shift our position. We're going to lift our focus to the constant and the ever-changing environment, which is his presence, his purpose, and allow it to bring leadership. We're going to gather around the word of God and say, God, speak. Show us the space where you are that we can step in. Glasgow Elam, it's time for us to cross over into what's next. Let's stand and worship together.